Well, gentlemen, we're back for another episode of the Reaching the Summit podcast. You've got myself, Todd Buckingham, and joining me, Greg Steeman and Zach Dosh. Gentlemen, how are you doing this evening? Good evening, everybody, especially to Vikings fans. Yeah, never a doubt. You guys, uh, I, you guys live and die with that stuff. I, I admire you. There's no question about it. That's right. It's right, like riding a roller coaster from our living room. <laughs> You know, in week three or four, there isn't an, a doubt. It's later in the year that we start to do a little doubting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, yeah, bounce went our way this time, I suppose. Uh, so this week, I wanted to start out with just a couple of little news and notes things, and then we got a few uh, teams to preview like we did last week, and then we'll do the same thing next week and then probably really dig into the to the season preview stuff the last week or so before the season gets going. So the first thing I wanted to talk about, I put out a Twitter poll, had 307 votes, and uh, apparently 250 of them were SDSU fans because uh, <laughs> the, the the poll went like this. Number one, SDSU, 52%, to, and this was to win the summit. So who do you have winning the summit this league, this year? 52% of people said SDSU, 24% USD, 12% ORU, and then 12% other. Um, you know, I, I don't know that I can argue with South Dakota State being the champion. That the It sort of speaks for itself when you think the last several years. But 52% seems a bit high. What do you guys think on the overall results on that poll there? I think we probably need some more Oral Roberts followers. I think that it seems to me the one thing we got to figure out is, okay, like what, what's the proportionate amount of followers that each team has? But uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I think you put the three teams in there that are in the top tier, you know, it would not surprise me if Oral Roberts, South Dakota, South Dakota state won. Uh, who are you going to put first? You know, I'll probably start with the preseason conference player of the year and Oral Roberts. Um like you said, I mean, you can make a case for each one of these teams. You don't want to make a case against any of these teams, but you can make a case for any one of these teams. And, uh, but yeah, probably a little lopsided in South Dakota State's favor, especially for, you know, losing their two best players and, and whatnot. But, um, but they're going to be right there again. Yeah, I, I'm in agreement with that. I, it's, you know, it's hard to, to bet against South Dakota State. Uh, we all know they lost the player of the year in Shireman and, and Douglas Wilson, who had a great career as well. But, you know, with what they have returning and, and what they had kind of develop over the course of the season, um, uh, they're, they're still going to be a major factor in the race. And and, and, and I can understand why some people are going to consider them the favorite. When you look at the experience they have, you know, with with Arians and Dentlinger, who, guys that won't maybe put up to huge numbers, but just the experience they have, the confidence that Coach Henderson has in those guys, Zeke Mayo in his freshman season, um, you know, with some of the numbers he put up that are in, in some ways, I, I don't mean to be, you know, make them bigger than they were, but somewhat historic, you know, I mean, as far as a freshman goes and uh, adding Matt Moores, the transfer from Wisconsin, the Yankton native into the, into the equation. I, I think they're going to be, they're, they're going to be right there without question. They're going to be, uh, uh, and I think they'll probably garner a fair number of first place votes when it comes to the actual uh, preseason polls that come out. So, um, you know, they, 
they deserve a lot of respect because they because they've earned a lot of respect and and uh, they've done it with their performance on the court. Even though they lost some high caliber players, they've got a number of really really high quality uh, summer league basketball players coming back. And then uh, along with Coach Henderson and his staff, uh, they're going to be formidable, no question. If so, if it wasn't one of those three teams. Who who do you think could surprise out of the remaining seven teams in the league if it wasn't one of those three? I think it will be one of those three, but if it wasn't, well, I'll just jump in. I mean, I'm I'm still not going to bet against Dave Richmond and his group. You know, they they've uh, North Dakota State has always always found a way to be a factor in March in Sioux Falls, and um, it, it's it's usually more the exception. You know, when they're not. And so, um, you know, when you, when you talk about individual talent, we, we discussed this on last week's podcast. When you look at a guy like Grant Nelson, Andrew Morgan, it's obviously going to come down to guard play and how Dave Richmond and his staff develops their perimeter um, contribution, you know, from, from a lot of new faces and how they can kind of grow into that through their preseason, you know, the, the pre-conference schedule and then early in conference. Uh, they're still going to be a factor uh, because I think they've got some exceptional talent there as well and um who knows and, you know we and the other team that we've talked about a lot we've all been impressed with is denver the way they continue to develop the way they continue to, to build that roster um uh, they're, they're going to be a factor as well yeah my my friends of the desert um who i'll be visiting later this week tell me that all right betting favorite start with the player start with the team with the best player right grant nelson may be the best player in the conference um and so you give NDSU a puncher's chance, right? They have a reason why they could win. He could just go on a, a tear this year. Um, Denver, like you said, Greg, they have the continuity. For the first time in a while for Denver, uh, they have the continuity. They're bringing back a lot of their production. They're just taking steps forward. They're not taking any steps back. That's just so key uh, in playing winning basketball, especially in this conference. They're right there. I think those are the only two that you can really make a uh, an argument for. Obviously, St. Thomas, a lot of uh, good young players, but you know, again, they're going to be a lot of freshmen. And I think really anything beyond NDSU and Denver, you you have some major major question marks. No, they may they may present the answers, but we don't know that right now. So I think ranking anything beyond that is you're probably being a little disingenuous if you're coming up with just these, like a rock solid one through 10 ranking. I mean, the best I can do right now is basically like, you know, a top tier, which is Oral Roberts, South Dakota, South Dakota state. Those are known commodities, proven commodities. People, you know, they've established themselves. We feel comfortable with them. I think their coaches do too. And then you have NDSU Denver and, you know, maybe you include St. Thomas in that middle tier um of they have some knowns but a lot of unknowns as well and so again they may have those answers they may not and then you know once you get beyond that to to western omaha kansas city and und you know certainly looks like some talented players in there but we haven't seen them play in this conference and you never really know what you have in these players until you know it, it comes down to crunch time and so you have some big question marks there but um so you, you're really looking at Anything beyond like maybe four or five in the conference just being sort of a free-for-all, which is going to be fantastic. It's going to, as far as viewing and intrigue and, and things to talk about, this is going to be way better than last year, way more interesting. 
Yeah, and that's the one thing I would say, even going back to the to the poll itself. You know, I don't know which one of those three teams, you know, will make predictions, but I don't know which one of those three finishes on top. I just know that nobody is a 52% favorite at this point. Like yeah, it's that's just probably too wide open point. right now. And right. and whereas last year you couldn't argue with that. And I think mm-hmm. that proved out as the year went on. Um, but I think this year is just so much more wide open mm-hmm. than, than, yeah. than last year. Yeah, I agree. And and so much of it last year. I mean, I think we did our best on the podcast to talk about a lot of other teams, but it was a foregone conclusion with South Dakota State. And to their credit, they met everybody's expectations and and uh, if not exceeded them. And so uh, but no, it, I, I think it just makes for an exciting conference season coming up. I can't wait to watch how some of these teams, um, you know, it'd be great to see the Summit League get some really high quality non-conference wins and and elevate the level of the league a little bit. We'll see if they're able to do that. And uh, but I but I couldn't agree more with you guys and uh, about about just kind of going into the league this year. I, I think it's going to be fascinating to watch it all play out. And and it's going to be a lot of it comes down to we've talked about this and uh, both Todd and Zach you've referenced this. You know the quality of coaching in this league at times is underappreciated. And I think that's going to be so key this year is who can find a way to to gather that momentum who can find a way to get their kids playing well early who can find a way to to knock you know to knock off some quality conference w's uh, our non-conference w's and gather some momentum heading into the conference season and, and maybe exceed expectations because uh, we're not dealing with this four and five year plan anymore we're dealing with a 10-month plan and uh, what coaches are best at that what coaches are best at really uh, kind of rallying the troops and, and seeing how they can gain some momentum heading into conference season Right. Yeah. And one other thing I wanted to touch on real briefly before we uh, get into the team previews for this week. So the basketball almanac, which is is put together by Jeff Goodman's podcast group. and I can't remember the name, but uh, just a quick little plug for something that we get nothing um, from. It's a twenty dollar thing. It's all digital. But you've got two page. Previews of every Summit League team, which if you were to go buy the the typical magazines off the shelf, you get a you know a two paragraph uh, little clip for each team. It's a really nice little preview, and I wanted to just go through their their ten, their, their how they listed the ten of the Summit League, what order they thought they would finish. They have South Dakota State first, Oral Roberts second, South Dakota third, fourth North Dakota State, fifth Denver, sixth Kansas City, seventh St. Thomas, eighth North Dakota. Ninth Western Illinois and tenth Omaha. Anything jump out at you guys? The only thing that kind of jumped out for me was KC being a little higher than I maybe think they they would be, um, and that may just be with Coach Menzies coming in and the respect given to him. Anything else that you guys saw to that top ten that that seemed surprising? I I think Omaha in tenth jumps out to me just because. They specifically like they're in win now mode and they they took a lot of their their roster is older than several of these other teams that they're ranked behind. Yeah. And that matters. It doesn't always matter. But I think when you look at the type of, you know, it's not like they've just been sitting on the bench somewhere for two or three years and now they just became older. They've actually played a lot of basketball, these kids. So I would tend to 
give them some credit for that and maybe bump them up a little bit. But again, you know, the difference between sixth, seventh, eighth, I, you know, I don't know, but probably not 10th. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with any of those things. And it's just just so different this year with the number, with the amount of roster turnover. You know, who can corral that? Who can uh, who can find that diamond in the rough? And and, uh, and and the listeners will will enjoy listening to Coach Crutchfield's interview that you did a great job with, Todd, uh, later on in the pod, podcast. Um, they've got some guys that, that I, I think are, um, you know, some returners and some newcomers. Um, it'll be interesting to see. And it's really, it's just really tough. You know, if you ask me, golf, who's the 10th best team in the league? I don't know at this point. I have no idea, but we'll know a lot more after the first three weeks of the, of the, of the, the basketball season kind of as to, as to who's, you know, doing the best job of, of, uh, of evaluating their talent, putting them in the, re- in the best positions to be successful. And so I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be exciting. And, and, uh, to be honest with you, when you go back to those rankings, it's hard to argue with any of them at this point. And uh, as, as Zach mentioned, I, th- I think the bottom half right now is, is completely is a complete crapshoot uh, for anybody to try to evaluate. I mean, because here's the problem. We can all watch highlight tapes. We can all see that these players are talented. Like, that's not the problem. Like, I don't think talent's the problem. The question is, is just like, you know, hey, are these pieces going to fit together? Are they going to make each other b- better by playing together? You know? That's stuff that nobody can possibly know. So, I mean, you guys can go ahead and make arguments for any one of these teams. You know, I can't argue against it. But, you know, the funnest thing is, is we're going to get to see this evolve throughout the course of this year. And there's going to be a lot of ups and downs. There's going to be a lot of peaks and valleys for these teams. And it's going to make for some interesting uh, discussion and, and dissection. Well, and you guys brought – I think, Greg, you brought up the interview with Coach Crutchfield. And so I think we'll go into the Omaha – preview and then we'll go to the to the interview with coach after that and and we'll just kind of start out with chris crutchfield the new head coach of omaha uh what what do you guys think omaha is getting with which coach crutchfield coming in well i i think they're getting a guy who's who's been around a lot of successful systems and i think one of the things i'm not trying to take away from the interview one of the things that i want people to to pay attention to this is uh, there's a lot of people that talk about positionless basketball and things along those lines in this day and age. Uh, I enjoyed hearing Chris Crutchfield talk about, you know, what a, a primary ball handler, a true point guard, a distributor, a facilitator, a guy who can create his own opportunities. I liked uh, hearing him talk about finding a guy who's a, uh, uh, you know, a face the basket power forward who is, who is a tough matchup for a lot of different teams in the league. And, uh, I, I just I, I think he brings a ton of experience and he's one of these guys and, and you, when you listen to him talk about it, I he's coming back home um, to it, you know, to his alma mater. He's extremely appreciative of the opportunity. And I think he's one of these guys. He's not early in his career. He's been doing this for a long time. And uh, this is his first opportunity as a head coach. He's, he's surrounded himself staff wise with some great experience. That demonstrates a lot of confidence in his own ability that he's willing to bring in experienced staff. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to, to what he brings to the table in the Summit League. And the other thing that he talked about, along with Coach Peterson last week, is he knows that they've got to be a sound defensive team. And, Todd, you did a great job in the interview of alluding to this, that when it really when it comes down to it, the teams that 
you know, uh, get out of the Summit League and get into the NCAA tournament are still typically one of the top two, three, or four defensive teams in the league. And there's no question that's going to be a focus for him and his staff. So I, I think he's going to be a great addition to the league. And I think he's a high-character guy and uh, going to be an exceptional coach. I'm, I'm excited to watch what, what he's able to do with this Omaha squad. And just to kind of give some context to what uh, uh, Todd and Coach Crushfield talked about in this interview, uh, it's important to understand his background. I mean, he, you know, Oregon, Arkansas, Oklahoma, he was basically the head of recruiting and player development. So that's it. That's his real angle. He knows players. He knows how to get them. He knows what to do when he gets, gets them. You know, Trey Young, players like that, he has on his resume. And so um, I thought it was really interesting that despite all that, how he decided to go about bringing in players. So I'll let everybody kind of listen to that first and not spoil it. And then maybe we can talk about it a little bit when we come back. Well, and one thing too, Zach, to, to just bring up that I kind of forgot, even though I, I follow this conference pretty closely. Uh, one of the players that, that is coming back this year that, that was on the team two years ago, Lamel Robinson returns. And, and so we talk returners when you've got Frankie Fiddler, Kyle Ludke, Akola Rope, and Dylan Brom. But Lamel Robinson comes back too. And, and 10 point per game score his first year there in Omaha. Uh, nice, solid point guard, full year re- removed from his injury. Um, didn't play at all last year. So they, they, the, the cupboard isn't empty. And they seem to bring, back, bring in some more athleticism with the, the people they brought in as well. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, Lamel Robinson, and it all comes down to what is his level of recovery from an ACL injury because he relied so much on his explosiveness. I mean, th- th- that young man was was really dynamic, and I hope he's back to 100%. I really do because I think the league will be better for it. But he is one of these guys that, that can, uh, you know, over the course of two minutes in a game, you're going to look down and go, oh, all of a sudden he's got seven points and an assist and, and has turned a game, you know, in a heartbeat before the opposing coach can call a timeout. So I, I hope he comes back at a high level, um, a high level of recovery. And, and I hope he's close to what he was before, because I think he's going to, is going to be a, a heck of an addition if he's, if he's right there health wise. So let's go to the interview with coach Crutchfield. And then we'll talk some newcomers when we return. Um, from the interview with him, because he talks about a few of them. Um, and we can talk about some players that we thought were interesting that he talked about too. So let's go to that interview and then we'll be right back. Hi, everybody. On our next coaching interview, we have Chris Crutchfield from Omaha joining us today on the podcast. Coach, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, man. It was a pleasure to be on with you. Absolutely. Um, we, we never were able to get Coach Hanson on, so we're really excited to uh, to uh, have the Omaha head coach with us uh, on the podcast. And, and I want to start with a sort of, well, it is basketball-related, but um, also kind of not basketball-related. Um, so you, when they say you're an Omaha man, I mean, they, they really mean it. You know, sometimes it's a person, <laughs> um, you know, once drove past the city and we call them, you know, but uh, – you you got your degree from Omaha. Uh, did you meet your wife at Omaha? I know she is a graduate. Yes, yes, we met here, and she went to school here. And um, you no, know, it's been really, really 
good to get her back. Uh, yeah. She's been gone for a while. Yeah. I'm sure in 1990, when you were playing football and basketball at Omaha, you were thinking, you know, 30 some years from now, I'll be the head basketball coach at Omaha, right? Never thought it. Never, right. never thought that would ever happen. Yeah. And it is that part of, you know, I, I obviously being a head coach anywhere is exciting, but is make it even a little bit more special that you get to kind of tie everything into a bow and get back to a place where you've been and it's been special in your life and things like that? No doubt about it. I think anytime you get a chance to come back to your alma mater and then come back to a city like Omaha that, you know, that allowed me to kind of grow up and become a man here and came here out of junior college uh, in 89. And, uh, you know, just a lot of people took me in and, and showed me the way. And uh, I was able to get my undergrad degree and had a chance to go to grad school. So, it's fascinating how you look back on time and say, you know, I never thought I was going to coach period. So, and now I'm going into 30 years of, of college coaching and now I get the opportunity to come back to Omaha and there's so much new energy here. And, and, and that, that's what gets me excited just because of the energy. We have a new administration and uh, I'm looking forward to building something special here. Awesome. Awesome. So you have a little bit of time in the Summit League when you were at Oral Roberts. Yes. Um, but the Summit League was had just changed over from the mid-continent. I probably yep. might have been your first year there. Um, yes. and and I looked back because you know that was a little while ago now. And I th- I think it was North Dakota State's first year in the conference, and then Kansas City before they left and came back was there, but most of the teams aren't the same. I, what do you think of the summit league so far since you've been back? Does it does, are there things that are different that um, are there things that are the same? Um, what, what, and then just from your little brief amount of time that you've been back with the summit, what do you think makes it such a strong mid-major conference? Well, I think looking back, I mean, it's still the same a little bit. A lot of teams uh, are new and of course college basketball and college athletics is, is, is transit right now. So but, I mean, when I was at Oral Roberts, um, the Dakotas had just came in. Uh, of course, UMKC and, and, and uh, IUPUI and Fort Wayne were still in the league then, not to mention Southern Utah was in the league. So it has changed a little bit now that all the Dakotas are in, picked up Denver. Uh, but it's a very, very competitive league. It's a very good league. Uh, some great coaches in this league. Yeah. It's a very skilled league that people with that that don't get the credit that they need to get. And uh, hopefully we can start promoting that a little bit better. I mean, there, there's the guys in this league that can really shoot. Yeah. There's, there, there's guys that coaching in this league that can scheme with anybody across the country. So that's the good thing about this conference. Like, like it's changed a lot since I was at Oral Roberts. Uh, but is a is still. I mean, I think it's gotten better. To be honest with you. Yeah. Well, and that's one of the things that we've kind of been a theme that we've been talking about from last year to this year. Um, w- there has been quite a few new coaching hires, but you think of Coach Wolbrin over at Denver and Coach Jeter over at Western Illinois, two teams that had traditionally been at the bottom of the league with yeah. the change in coaches. They're they're towards more towards the middle now. You've you've got yourself. Um, that addition of St. Thomas, like it just seems like every coaching addition has bettered the league and, and made it um, an even stronger league and for better things to come, it sure seems. 
Well, hopefully that's what we're all pushing for in this league, right. just you know, to improve every day and and have a league that, you know, maybe one day we can get two teams in the NCAA tournament. So uh, that's the goal from I know from our league office and I know every coach in our league that we're competing against definitely want to try to make the NCAA tournament. So uh, that's what makes it good because everybody's going to compete. I think each university has, has made basketball a priority on those campuses and uh, I'm lucky to be here. I know that. Awesome. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, your team. So one name, there's plenty of names that those of us that are Summit League fans maybe don't know as well, but I wanted to talk about a, a, a few that we did know from last year. So Frankie Fiddler coming off a fantastic freshman year, um, local kid who stayed when uh, when you came on board. Yep. Um, what did that kind of look like? It Was that kind of your first big recruiting um kind of it's not really recruiting because he's here but yet it still is no no you said it right it was recruiting you know in this day and age with the transfer portal uh that was the first phone call i made i mean once i told i was getting a job man i called frankie and and told him to give me a chance give me a chance to get in there and and build a relationship with him and kind of kind of paint a picture of what it was going to look like uh for the program going forward and for him as, as a player. So, and uh, he was gracious enough to, to, to give me the time to, to get to know him. And he had a chance to get to know me and we spent some time together this summer. And uh, I'm happy that he stayed because he's a very, very talented player. Um, he's a big wing, you know, with size and skilled. Uh, he changed his body over the summer, you know, lost, you know, body fat. He's trimmed up a lot. He's more explosive now. Uh, so I'm excited about the year that he's getting ready to have because he's worked his butt off this summer. Yeah, and you see this with freshmen a lot, but it, and one of the things that was so impressive with him last year is just the growth that you saw as as the season progressed. And you know, if, if a guy was taking a big shot later in the game, it was going to be him. Yeah. And he showed that a few times at the end of the year. So it's going to be cool to watch his growth this year too. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. So, so another familiar name with, with Summit League fans that isn't a player, Kyan Brown joins you guys from North Dakota <laughs> State. And I don't think there's been an official poll, but I, he's he's talked about as one of the best assistant coaches in the Summit League. So how did that come about, that Kyan went to join you guys in a similar role that he had at North Dakota State? Um, and, and yeah, I guess just how did that come about? How did he end up with you guys in Omaha? Well, Kine, Kine and I have some history. We uh, we worked together at Oral Roberts uh, okay. for four years when I was there. Uh, and, uh, of course, we developed a great friendship, uh, a lot of respect for uh, his coaching ability, his ability to relate to the kids, his recruiting ability. So when I left to go to Oklahoma, you know, we stayed in contact with each other. We played Oral Roberts a couple of times during my time at at Oklahoma and we just became really, really good friends over the years and have always stayed in contact with each other's programs. And uh, anytime we get a chance to see each other where we're on the road recruiting or at the coaches convention at the final four, we all always made time to, to be together. And when this opportunity came up, I knew right away the guy that I had to get was Kyan Brown. And because I tell you this, he had summit league experience yeah. and not just experience, but he had a continuation of almost 12 years of Summit League experience. Mm-hmm. And he's watched it change. And I wanted a guy that that knew the Summit League. I wanted a guy that knew me. 
And I want a guy that can navigate through the recruiting channels of the Midwest. And he's done that. And uh, we're excited. We're excited to to have him here with us. That that That's awesome. I didn't even think about the fact. I, I knew he had been at Oral Roberts also. But, I, yeah, I didn't even realize. No, that he's a former he's a former player. He played at Oral Roberts. Right. Uh, yep. Before he started wow. coaching. Um, that so with Kyan coming on board, and maybe maybe the two don't have anything to do with each other, but North Dakota State liked to, to get some Minnesota kids mm. in, and uh, you have a couple of freshmen coming in, Jay Sean Glover from the southern part of Minnesota, and then Jamal Ambrose um, from I think Apple Valley. I can't remember yep. exactly yeah, that area. Right. Did yep. did Kyan play a part in bringing those two young men? Yeah, played a huge part. Um, I mean, I didn't know who those kids were until he brought them to the table and said, Coach, these are two kids you got to take a look at. And, you know, and saw the video, you know, and then next thing you know, we was in a car headed up to Minnesota. <laughs> right. <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't take me long to, to see, you know, Jamal's talent, his size, his skill. He can shoot it. He had great feet, great hands. He's a great kid. Uh, Jay Sean, you know, played in a small town and no one knew who he was. But I mean, this is a kid that's, you know, six four and with a body like a, a free safety. And he scored over 3,000 points in high school. I'm looking at like, no one's recruiting this kid. <laughs> and so and I'm looking at kind of like, are you sure he's good enough? Right. Yeah. But, you know, we end up moving on him and he's been here all summer and he's been great. Uh, both of those kids have been great. And I'm excited to coach them, and you know they're going to be the foundation of our program. Awesome, I mean, I, uh, Jay Sean's from such a small town. I lived in Minnesota my whole life, and I've never heard of the town that <laughs> that he. Uh, but that might have been to your guys's benefit. Maybe if he was at somewhere with a little bit more uh, exposure. No doubt. Yeah, no doubt. And that's how it works sometimes in recruiting. Yeah. The timing is everything, and you know if we had to wait another week, who knows? Somebody would win her and saw right. him. You end up playing against him. Isn't that funny? The amount of recruiting stories that you hear of people going to see somebody else. And then, you know, here's this other young man that's playing and they're going, wait a second, who's that? Exactly Why is right. nobody watching him? I mean, it's just for all the technology and, and ability to, to get exposure that we have, there's still, you know, there's only so much time I suppose for people to see things. So still these yeah. random things happen. It's kind of cool. No doubt. No doubt. So I wanted to talk about a, a few other returning players you got a Cole Rope who was there last year after transferring from Nebraska, Lamel Robinson, Dylan Brom, um, Kyle Ludke. Um, how have they fit in so far to what you guys are doing with the new approach and style? Well, they've all been great. Uh, Kyle, who's played a lot of minutes last year, uh, has been a great leader for us. Uh, he's going to be a guy that's going to be able to give us stability at, on, at the guard spot. Uh, Lamel is coming off of ACL tear and, uh, you know, he's back working out, but he hadn't been cleared for competition yet, but he he will be cleared. And I'm sure it's going to take him a little time to get back to his normal self after setting out a whole year. But we're looking forward to him being a contributor for our basketball team at the point guard spot. Then you got a, a call rope who, who played a vital role in the team last year. And, and and we're going to give him a bigger role this year because we're going to let him step out and shoot the basketball. I mean, of course, he's 6'5", 6'6". Uh, but he plays like he's 6'9", and yeah. uh, he's an explosive athlete, as you know. Uh, his skill level has gotten better over the summer, and uh, we've worked with him a lot on shooting the basketball from three. So we're going to let him do that a little bit, step out. 
but he's going to be a phenomenal player for us around the rim. And we need that athleticism just to improve our defense also. Well, and, and many of us Summit League fans forget about Lamel because he missed last year with his exactly. injury. And, and and what he did the year before, and he was one of the reasons, you know, last year as we were doing previews, it's a little harder in college stuff doesn't come out as, you know, it's there's not injury reports, things like that. Exactly. But you're doing all these previews, talking about Lamel, and then, uh, you know, obviously for Coach Hanson and, this, and his group there, that's like was a huge loss, but what a gain for you guys this year coming into this. No season. doubt. Experienced guard with a body is strong. And I'll let me live out. I don't want to leave out Dylan Braun, who's been phenomenal this summer. Dylan has gained 17 pounds uh, of muscle, and we needed him to be able to do that, to, to be an anchor force on the, in the inside. Uh, he's a skilled lefty player that that, that I think could, will be able to score. One thing he does do, for a guy his size, he can pass, and he will rebound, and he's a willing screener. So I think yeah. when you got those two, three things going for you, there's there's a place on the, on the floor for you for me. Right, right. Um, I want to talk just a little bit about your style and the the way your team plays. Well, if you were to try to describe, here's our style in one minute, you know, or whatever. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, how would you how would you describe how would you describe it? Well, the, the I would say I would say this offensively, um, we want to play fast, and I, I say fast, but semi-fast. We want to push it in transition. We want to try to beat the defense back to try to get as many easy baskets as we can get. But at the same time, we also want to take take good shots. We want, we want to control the basketball. We don't want to turn the basketball over. So we'll run some sets. We'll run uh, some offense. But uh, ideally, we want to get them down the floor. I think we got athletes that, that can run the floor. We can kick it ahead and get some buckets in transition. Uh, then, of course, we, we got to put the ball in some guys' hands like Frankie and try to get them as many shots as we can. And we will do that. Then on the defensive end, uh, we, we've improved our size. We've improved our athleticism. So we want to get up and pressure people. We want to try to dictate, you know, the pace of the game with our defense also. Um, but we also want to be smart. We don't want to be out there pressing, denying all across the floor and, and, and letting people get into our paint. Uh, but, but I think in this league, um, I think defense is going to be the one thing that separates people because I think everybody's skilled and everybody can shoot it. Everybody runs good stuff. So how do you separate yourself from anyone else? Uh, you you have to improve defensively, and, and that's one of the areas we've been working on all summer and all fall camp. Right. Well, and I mean, even with when you think back to ORU's run a couple of years ago, we, yeah. we yeah. of course, Max and Kevin and, and the things they can do offensively, but what people forget is – that team turned when they started defending no doubt and that's no. what made the difference and that's why they beat two high quality teams in the tournament so like exactly right it, we we get considered an offensive league and i guess i say we but i i can say we now i guess but uh um but we're considered an offensive league but really it, every year it's the teams that are towards the top in defense that kind of s- separate out um and then just recruiting philosophy in general. And I did want to ask about some of the new players that we, we might not know much about, but just what yeah. is it? It looks like you kind of have a mix of some Juco players, some freshmen, some returning guys. Do you have a general philosophy or is it just get the best guys we can? And it's how we do that is kind of open. I, I think ideally, and you know, this, you have to get the best players, of yeah. course. And, but I think this year coming into the new job, uh, with the changeover and we lost of course we lost some guys that was here but I wanted 
to recruit uh, junior college kids in this first class. And we took four junior college kids that all have three years of eligibility left. And and the reason why I wanted to do that, because I just wanted a certain mentality. I wanted a certain attitude about building something special. Uh, and we turned down a bunch of power five transfers because of all the connections we have across the country. We turned down a bunch because I didn't want guys coming in, looking down their nose at Omaha saying, you know, I was in the power five and now I'm coming down to Omaha and looking down their nose because I don't think you can build a program with that attitude. Um, I wanted guys that was hungry that was really, really thirsty about the opportunity to play division one basketball and to be on the front end of something special to have a chance to build a program here. And that's why I went after those four guys that have three years of eligibility because hopefully we can keep them here for the next three years. And, and that's going to be also merging those guys together with our freshmen. That's going to be our foundation for our program. Um, but I, I want to be more athletic. Uh, we're going to recruit guys with, you know, I want bigger wings. I want six, four, six, five, six, six wings. Uh, our power forwards need to be six, eight and, and long and athletic because I think that helps us rebound. And I think it helps us defensively. Um, but, but most importantly, there has to be a skill. There has to be the, the competitive spirit component uh, from a philosophy standpoint. Uh, but everywhere I've been, we've always, you know, had good athletes. We always had good skill and you have to have a point guard. That's a willing passer, but one that can also create his own shot. And was able to pick up a kid by the name of J.J. White, a uh, kid that I've known from Norman that ended up going to uh, Kobe Junior College out in Kansas. And uh, he's been he's been great uh, since he's been here. Nice. Any other of the, the new players we should know before the season starts? Well, one uh, I'll tell you about, and I don't want to give up too much information, but uh, – <laughs> Kid by the name of Markel Sutton is a six eight, you know, two hundred and twenty pound forward that we uh, picked up from uh, Connors Junior College out of Oklahoma. He's from originally from Tulsa, and uh, he's really really talented, really really talented player that um, will give us us opportunity to move him around. He can play in, he can play out, um, and he he's just a tremendous athlete, uh, guy that can run, guy that's skilled, and uh, him, JJ, along with a kid by the name of Jaden Marshall, who's from Bossier Parish Junior College, but he's from Hinesville, Georgia, originally uh, on the wing. He's a 6'5 uh, scoring guard. I mean, he averaged 15 points a game in junior college. So guys like that that have some experience, guys that have bodies that, that I think can step into Summit League and, and, and have an impact uh, right away. And that's what we went after. And we got lucky and picked up a few. And also picked up a kid by the name of Kennedy Brown from Dawson Community College out in uh, Wyoming. And uh, he's originally from Chicago, but he also has three years of eligibility. So he's 6'9", 245. And we got a body and an athlete uh, and a tough guy uh, to help us in the interior defensively. Awesome. Well, coach, I, I said I would try to get keep you at about 20 minutes. Um, and and so we'll we'll do that. I think that's about exactly what we're at now. Um, yep. but just really happy to have you on. Um, I hope I'm sure we'll have you on more. Uh, like I like I said before we started, we'll have to have Greg on because because you guys I think we're both at Omaha at the same time, if I'm yeah, yeah, right, we was around together. Yeah, it'd be good to see him. Yeah, really yes. Um, but again, thank you for joining and uh best of luck the rest of the year.
Thank you for having me on, man. Appreciate the time. All right. Okay. Bye bye. Bye. All right. So great interview with with Coach there. Um, I'll bring up a name, and then you guys feel free to chime in with any other newcomers as you saw. Um, I'm always intrigued with size, especially in the Summit League. There's a freshman out of, I think it's Apple Valley, um, Jamal Ambrose. Now I'm kind of forgetting, but 6'10", 250 as an incoming freshman. You don't you don't see that very often. He he talked about Coach Crutchfield talked about him in the interview. Anything else that stood out as far as newcomers or anything we should touch on with the Omaha before we move on to the next team? I thought my biggest thing that I took away from it was he wanted Juco players. Yeah. And I thought it was very, very interesting because naturally you would think with his background that he'd be all over the, the par five bounce backs, but not he doesn't necessarily want those. And he referred to them, you know, in terms of his interactions as, you know, probably a little entitled. And he specifically targeted junior college players with three years left, as you would with the COVID year. Um, but when you think about it, it really makes a lot of sense, especially when you're trying to establish your culture, right? These junior college players probably played a lot of basketball and it's important for people to understand there are wide, there's a wide range of a junior college experience. There are some that are good. There's some that are good and actually translate fairly well. And there's, there's a lot that aren't quite frankly, but if you know that as a coach and you recruit to the right ones, you can get a kid who you don't have to babysit them as you do most freshmen and they have three years of eligibility left. So you get somebody who has probably been knocked on a peg or two, who is probably has a chip on their shoulder, who probably has gone to junior college in the middle of nowhere where most of the junior colleges are and, you know, lived in a very modest dorm and maybe ate some cafeteria food and has thought nothing about, developing and moving on from that juco right they become laser focused there's nothing else to talk about other than getting to the next level that's their background conversely a power five player is probably like oh what do you mean we don't charter flights here oh i i don't get a new pair of basketball shoes every week oh we what do you mean i have to eat at the cafeteria i don't get the training table you know <laughs> so they they definitely come with a different uh attitude um, not all of them, but a lot of them. And so when you the more I was kind of thinking about it after listening to him, I'm like, you know what? I get it. As long as the skill set is roughly the same, obviously the background and the mentality of a kid that comes from a junior college, if you can get the right one, it can be pretty powerful. And if you're trying to establish culture, those kids don't mess around, man. They, they've already had their dream dash probably once by not going to Division One right off the bat. And so – there are some usually some hardworking dudes who are laser focused and have their priorities in order. That's the only reason that they've been able to get back to this point. So that was really, really the biggest takeaway for me in terms of how he's been putting together his roster. And um, they better be ready to go. Their non-conference schedule looks really tough. And, and Zach, I, I really like your your thoughts on that because I thought the same thing when I listened to it, and it was. Um, it, it is enlightening a little bit because you sit there and you go, you know what, um, if, if as a coach, you know, you can choose, do you want hungry kids or do you want entitled kids? And I know entitled gets thrown around a lot, but some people have no idea how these kids are treated at the power five level. <laughs> you talked about, you talked about the charter flights, you talked about the training table, you talked about the, 
you know, the, the academic resources that are available to them. They're given every opportunity to be successful. And there's a reason sometimes that they don't succeed at the power five level. And I, and I do love the, you know, the, the hunger aspect of these JUCO kids that, you know what, they're, they're grateful for the opportunity. They're going to maximize the opportunity. They're going to come in and, and, and play in a manner and compete in a manner that says, you know what, my job's on the, on the, on the line every day. And so if I don't bring it, you know, that if I don't earn it, then I'm not going to get it. And so I thought, I thought kind of the same thing. And when I was listening to Crutch talk about his thoughts on, on recruiting some, some JUCOs with, with uh, two and three years of eligibility, I think it's a, I think it's a great thought. Um, the other thing I'll do is I'll go back to Omaha's roster. I cannot wait. I cannot wait to see the development of Frankie Fiddler. I'm not, I mean, with what he did last season, I can't, this kid is as old school as it gets. He's as efficient as it gets. His ability to uh, not only, you know, manufacture scoring opportunities for himself, but also uh, uh, make his team and his teammates better. I can't wait to watch his development. And I got to believe that Chris Crutchfield looks at him and says, you know what, uh, this guy is putty in my hands. I can't wait to see what we can make him into. Uh, look, really looking forward to his development. Yeah, hearing that he kind of rebuilt his body, yeah. uh, you know, it, maybe shed a little bad weight, gained a little good weight, things like that. I mean, you know, he has a skill set. And so that just got me real excited to watch him play this year. Yeah. And you guys remember the last 10 games or so, some of the big – performances he put up i mean he just came into he, his own at the end of last year he, he he went from like almost being out of the rotation to like almost winning the freshman of the year yes. i i know i yeah. agree yeah well and and you know if you've ever watched to your guys's other point about juco players if you've ever watched any of the last chance use none of those uh players are living in luxury of any way shape or form yeah um so so they will be excited about whatever amenities they can get there at omaha mm-hmm. um, well guys and- I, I i will speak to this now it was it was decades ago but i did coach at the junior college level and zach i don't take it personally when you say these places are in the middle of nowhere these places are in smaller communities these places yeah. are um i, I remember I remember being in Botno, North Dakota after a game and walking into McDonald's and one of our players saying, really, we have to eat McDonald's again? And I go, what other options do we have? Guys? <laughs> you know what I mean? it's, it's, this, this is what we've got, you know, and, and you end up pooling, you end up pooling the, uh, the, uh, the meal money and, and saying, how can we be more effective with this? And so um, my guess is they're going to be appreciative of the amenities that they have a chance to experience at Omaha. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Markel Sutton is one of the players that he brought up too, that he was really excited about coming in. Also thought it was interesting with the call a rope uh, who we knew from last year, good athlete did some things around the basket. He said he's stepping out and shooting from outside. Now be interesting to see the development of some of the players from last year and just see how, how it all mixes together. Yeah. I agree with like, you. It seemed like last year they had a rope playing close to the basket because he had to. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he was the only guy that could physically hold his ground in there. And so he, he had to sacrifice to, you know, especially defensively, do that. And so, yeah, you bring in some bigger kids and kind of move them back to where he's more naturally suited. Uh, obviously, that's great. And that, that just gives them all the more flexibility. I mean, you see these rosters that are that work, especially on the defensive end. They're rosters that can switch and, and he can switch a ball screen or or, you know, 
defend two or three different positions. And that's just incredibly effective and important. And uh, like, like coach Crushfield said, I mean, his Im- impact is going to be felt on this team and his role is going to be definite. It will be. And, and, and I agree with you, Zach. I, I think it makes a, it's a great point. And you go back to Sutton, as you mentioned, Todd, um, you know, crutch is high on him, you know, six, seven, six, eight. He's a, he's a junior college kid out of Connor state. Um, a kid that can face up as a, probably a true power forward in the summit league. Uh, might be a, a difficult matchup for some. And the other guy that I'm going to go to, I, I, I don't know how many minutes this guy is going to play. I don't, I really don't. Uh, but Kyle Lutke, um, th- this was a guy that, uh, as disappointing as maybe as the season was for Omaha last year, was uh, night in, night out, you knew what you were going to get from him. Great effort, great toughness, great leadership. And what's interesting, and this goes back, again, I date myself, um, Kyle, when, when Crutch and I were both at Omaha back in the early 90s, the quarterback for Omaha, UNO at that time, was Josh Lutke. And he is, I believe, the coach at Creighton Prep right now. So Crutch was a GA coaching Josh Lutke, and now he's coaching Josh's son, uh, oh. Kyle Lutke. And, and Kyle brings, I'll tell you what, Kyle brings a, a quarterback leadership mentality to this Omaha team. I, I don't know that he's going to be a big-minute guy, but I do think he's going to be someone that Crutch leans on as a true leader for this program. Nice. I, I, I love those stories, Greg. That, that's awesome. And, and just a little plug for us real quick, because we have to move on to South Dakota State, but there aren't many uh, podcasts out there that have to cut themselves off to move on to another team while they're talking a brand new Omaha roster. We, we, we keep track of our teams. So, um, so on to South Dakota State. Last year, didn't, didn't lose in the Summit League. Again, year in, year out, one of the better teams in the league. But there's they we alluded to it earlier. Lost their two best players, one Baylor Shireman to transfer, and then uh, Douglas Wilson to graduation. Um, who's the next uh, South Dakota State star? I think Zeke Mayo has that capability. I think he has that uh, you know that athleticism and skill set. Um, I will say it, it's kind of difficult for a shooting guard to be just a complete star and the leader of the team. You know, uh, it's a little easier to defensively scheme around a, a shooting guard. But but I, I think he's that level player. I mean, he, he's a special player, yeah, hyper efficient. Freshmen aren't efficient except for Zeke Mayo. So uh, that's that's my quick answer to that question. Uh, I'll agree with you, Zach. I, I think one of the things that impressed me most last year about Mayo as a freshman, um, he he didn't try to overstep his bounds. He was the the ultimate complimentary player to a ton to to a roster full of uh, exceptional basketball players, and he let the game come to him. Uh, he knocked down shots, and he was comfortable saying, "You know what? Fine, if I'm the fourth or fifth option." I'm going to be the most efficient fourth, fifth, fourth or fifth option in the Summit League. And he was. And he, and he knocked down those shots. And, and I think just that mentality, just that approach, you know, gives you some confidence that he's going to grow into his next step of development. All right, I'm going to be counted on more. I may, I may be the primary ball handler at times, even though Arians is out there um, and, and is one of the most, uh, um, I don't know, uh, most – 
unique players in the league and that he is so good at playing so many positions, guarding so many different positions, being the primary ball handler, playing off the ball. Arians is fantastic that way. And I just think when it comes to him, that's the type of guy that Zeke Mayo has to watch and go, you know what? This is how I can impact our team. And his talent level is unmatched, you know, uh, on that roster, in my opinion. I mean, as far as the things that he can do, I just love his IQ. I love the way he approaches the game. And I couldn't agree more with Zach. I think I think Zeke Mayo is the next guy that is in position to maybe be that type of player in the league, that all league level type player. And, and, uh, and, and Todd, I know we talked off air and we discussed it. It's hard to it's hard to, to question uh, Luke Apple's development as well. I, I last year I don't know that there was a player in the summer league that got any better than Luke Apple did over the course of that season. Yeah, yeah, yep, agree. I I wonder, and and okay, so just to play devil's advocate, right? We we spent about a year and a half talking how great South Dakota State is because they forced us to. We had no choice because they were that great, right? So just for the sake of conversation. Just, just let me try to play the other side of the argument. If I wonder if they knew that Baylor Shireman was going to leave, if they would have approached recruiting this offseason slightly different, if they would expand it, you know, maybe looking for another ball handler, you know, what have you. Um, the whole Baylor, it, that, that situation is, it's certainly not going to derail them, but are they the best best version of what they could be? Because that's what it takes to win in this conference. You have to be absolutely on point and is a, I don't even want to call it a hiccup. I would call it whatever you want, but you know, losing your best player halfway through the summer. Um, Cause he got recruited into the portal. You know, is that, can they absorb that? If they can overcome that and win the conference this year, that'll be one of the more impressive things I've probably seen quite honestly especially when you consider where Oral Roberts is. So that's our challenge this year. Last year, it was, it was can we be perfect? We have the roster. We, we can do something that can't be duplicated or, or improved upon, I guess. But this year, it's a different challenge. Can they overcome something like that? Can they have people step up and grow in their roles? There's a lot of good players who can play a lot of good basketball and know their roles, and they do it well. They need the straw that stirs the drink. Right. They need that player. Is it Zeke Mayo? Is it somebody else? Who is it going to be? And how do they not lose their team centered approach while trying to establish that? They did that last year. It came together perfectly. Can they do it again? It's a, it's a different type of challenge for them this year. But um, I can't wait to see them attack it because, you know, they have guys that love getting after it. And, um, you know, they're looking for a challenge after last year. Not that last year wasn't a challenge, but. Um, this is what good teams do. They always find little things to kind of motivate them. And I think that's kind of what they're going to grab onto to motivate themselves and, and uh, get them going this year. I think it's a great, I think it's a great question, Zach. It really is. And and I think if you're, if you're Eric Henderson, you're talking to guys like Matt Mims, Zeke Mayo, um, Matt Morris, Charlie Easley and say, listen, I don't need, you know, Alex Arians. I don't need any one of you guys to go out and be Baylor Shireman. That that's the challenge. Don't go out there and try to be Baylor Shireman. Nobody's going to be. He's one of the best players to come through this league, and he's somewhere else now. But because of guys like Matt Mims, Zeke Mayo, Charlie Easley, uh, Alex Arians, they've got guys who are used to making plays with the ball in their hand. In, in the in the dynamic manner in which Shireman would do it, not necessarily. 
but they have guys that are playmakers. They have guys that are facilitators, guys that are really, really high IQ players. And so I think it's, I think it's almost a, an opportunity for South Dakota state to go right now. They can say, they can say they have a chip on their shoulder. Everybody's betting against us. We lost our two best players. Nobody thinks we can win it. Even though that, that poll that, that, that doggone podcaster for reach the summit put out there, says that we're supposed to win. They'll still convince their guys, listen, everybody's betting against us because we lost the two best players in the league. And I, I, I think they have the personnel that will buy into that challenge that will buy into that opportunity I'm looking forward to see the type of team they are because I, you know what? I think South Dakota State's still going to be really, really, really dang good. Well, and Zach, to to maybe ask you a question with your for your question, mm-hmm. is bringing in Matt Moore is a pretty good way to absorb that? You know, I I don't know. Um, he's he, you know, so obviously he's not like a direct replacement. He's right. more of um. In my impression of him is he's more of a kind of a complimentary player, you know, versatile on defense, versatile on offense, jack of all trades, maybe master of none, if that's fair to say. Um, and every team needs players like that. And he's going to play a lot and he's going to be a very important player uh, in the same vein that Alex Arians is, you know, maybe he has a little bit more scoring pop, but um you know, the thing that Baylor, Baylor just did so well last year is because he was six, seven and so well-rounded, I mean, there were games like I remember a game up in Grand Forks where they were really struggling and they were down for most of the game. And he just kind of got control of the situation. He went in the post three, four times in a row. They got the lead back and then they just finished it out that way. You know, he had the ability to score in so many ways and he could just see the whole floor because, again, he was taller and he was a willing passer and he's just a willing shooter. They just no matter what you threw at South Dakota State last year, they had an answer for. That's why they had a historically uh, great offensively offensive season in terms of their efficiency. It would, they were like off the charts, like for the majority of the year in terms of three point shooting, they were like top five in the nation. So, um, and, and they stayed healthy and, and everything went right. And that's great. And now they have a little bit of, I don't know if you call it adversity again with this whole Shireman situation. Um, how do they respond? Like you said, Greg, I like how you said it. There's nobody's going to turn into Baylor Shireman. Nobody's going to turn into Douglas Wilson. I really think the way that they do this is everybody just steps up their game just a little bit. Obviously, you don't directly replace any of these guys, but is everybody stepping up their game just a little bit? Is that going to be enough? Is that going to be enough? We'll see. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. And and I I still think, and and if somebody held a gun to my head right now and said, who's going to be the conference champion? I'm sorry. It's going to be hard for me to not vote for South Dakota State. You might think I'm crazy. I respect the heck out of ORU and the other teams that we've talked about and what Coach Peterson has going on at USD. I still think South Dakota State has one of the most complete rosters in the league, even though they lost two of the better players, not just from last year. They lost two of the better players that the Summit League has seen in a while. Right. Well, and Greg, that's the interesting part to it because, you know, the track record speaks for itself. And But I'll also compare – when uh, Kevin O'Banner left Oral Roberts, you know, Max Asmus, I'm like, I just thought Max Asmus is who he is and the other guys are going to step up. And, and that didn't quite happen for Oral Roberts last year. So I think that's kind of, but there's more track record for South Dakota State. So I, it just comes back to that, 
they, they, we don't want to forget the quality of the two players that aren't there anymore. I agree. Ten of eleven years. Hasn't it been ten of eleven? Yeah. Last years, it's either been South Dakota State or North Dakota State representing the Summit League in the NCAA tournament. Ten of eleven. Yep. And and by the way, I know we haven't, I know we haven't really evaluated North Dakota State yet. You know, too much. Well, I mean, I guess we did a little bit. But Dave Richmond's going to sit and listen to these podcasts. And go keep talking about everybody else. Keep talking about everybody <laughs> yep. else. Yep. Go, go for it. But you're right, Zach. I mean, I, I, I guess maybe that's why I sit there and look at. But I, I but I mean this when I say this. I, I, I love South Dakota State's roster. If I didn't know who Baylor Shireman or Douglas Wilson were, and I still looked at this and and, and and seen these guys play, I really still love South Dakota State's roster. But you guys both make some really good points. There's there's a there's a lot of making up to do for South Dakota state, even though they do have a very complete roster. Right. Yeah. And I, I do like your point about Luke Apple. I mean, the, again, before Baylor Shireman was Baylor Shireman, he was a role player that then became a star. And I, Luke Apple showed some things last year that he certainly can at least dominate in the post. So I did like that point as well, Greg. All right. Well, let's move on to our last preview of today. We're going to preview North Dakota. So North Dakota actually returns quite a few players from, from last year. And I guess my question with that is we've got Nero, Caleb Nero, Matt Norman, um, Sartsidze, Suker, I think seven returners, if I looked at it right. Um, but that team with that many returners struggled. Do, do, what what does it mean when you've got a team returning that many players? Now there are a lot of injuries and things like that. Um, what do you think that means for North Dakota this year in general? <laughs> what? Well, I'm just going to jump in, Zach. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it goes back to the old adage, you know what? We were really bad last year, but we had everybody coming back. You know, the good news and the bad news is <laughs> we were really bad, and, and we've got everybody coming back. I, you know, what? what is it? But I go back to this. We, we, we live in a different era right now. We, li- we don't live in this three- or four- or five-year buildup. We live in what's going to happen in the next 10 months. And, and as of now, what's going to happen in the next six or seven months? I, I, I like the people that, that, that Coach Sather has coming back into his program. You know, w- w- when you talk about, you know, the, the people that they've relied on, Mitchell Sucre, a, a guy like that. I, I, I sit here and hope and pray. I want Mitchell Sucre to stay healthy. I want, I want their best players to stay healthy. And, and I believe in, in, in Paul Sather and in the, in, in the way he coaches his team. I believe in how he develops them. I believe in the things that he emphasizes. I, I don't think there's a reason that UND can't really come out and scare some people. And uh, and I think he'll do as good a job as anybody. I go back to I, I, I love the level of coaching that we see in this league. And Paul Sather didn't have the year he wanted last year for a variety of reasons. But I, I – you sit there and you hope they can stay healthy. You hope they can give, them, give themselves the best chance to be successful. It'll come down to guard play as well. And, uh, you know, can Nero come back and be a, a good player? Can Norman be a guy that can knock down uh, shots? Things along those lines. I, I think they can be as dangerous as anybody, especially in that bottom five, you know, as far as people are projecting them. Um, I, I just think it's one of those things where right now, uh, it comes down to how you coach them. Can you stay healthy? And can you find ways to be a really difficult matchup for, cer- for certain teams? And, 
And uh, I just I believe Paul Sather is as good as anybody in the league. That, and when it comes to being able to put his his team in position to do that, so um, that that those are kind of my thoughts. It's I I, I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that last year has to dictate anything that happens this year. And I think that is that is the message that Paul Sather has to get across to his group. Yeah, last year was really just kind of a perfect storm of of everything. You know, I mean, uh, a couple uh, late departures in the transfer portal, a couple, uh, which means they got, you know, kind of a late jump on maybe some of their replacements. And that even really kind of started two years ago. Um, and the the players that they had, you know, so obviously the, the two major ones that are coming back, um, you know, Mitch, Mitchell Sucre and Caleb Nero, they were playing well. I mean, yeah. I don't know if you remember the the game against Montana, a quality opponent up in Grand Forks. You know, they run a little play, get a switch. Uh, Caleb Nero crosses over his guy, goes in, lays it up, wins the game, beats Montana, and that's and then they go and beat Troy back to back. And you're thinking, okay, well, you can kind of see what they can become. And then Nero uh, hurts his foot against San Jose State, followed by Suker hurting his foot. And there were a lot of guys that they were planning on redshirting that they had to play. And it was just kind of a, a situation where they basically ran out of players last year. And, you know, Johnny Levias was supposed to be a big part of what they did last year. Right after he signed, he tore his uh, meniscus. So you have three guys, you know, right there that are that were out, um, you know. And then so there are a lot of guys that had to play a lot more than they were planning on doing. Um, Brian Matthews played a lot, uh, and he had a hurt back. He actually was able to make it through the season. I don't think they thought he was going to, but you know, you got to think that a team that experienced like the worst luck I think I've ever seen out of a team, just in terms of injuries and just, just random things, odd, odd stuff that uh, eventually it kind of starts to even out this year. And like, what happens if they actually get a bounce or they get some fortune, you know, and, and things, you know, kind of start going their way. Um, you know, I, I think that it's going to be very interesting. You know, they have a lot of guys that played last year that didn't, that weren't going to play otherwise. And hopefully they were able to build on that and got past the point. You know, every player, when they start playing, they kind of go through this phase where the game is moving really fast and they're not sure if they belong. And you know, usually they, they get comfortable out there and then it's like their career can begin. Right. And usually that's when they're like maybe a junior, sometimes it's a senior, what have you. But if that can happen when you're a freshman and, you know, you got to find the silver lining in losing some of these games. And, you know, a, a, a guy like Reed Grant, you know, like he, he played a lot more than they were expecting Brian Matthews. And so it's just like, okay, we're going to see who loves basketball here. Right. We're going to see who loves basketball in this situation and how they develop. Um, you know, Matt Norman, I, I, he played his role fairly well. And I, I think you see the value of a junior college player coming in with a couple years of eligibility left because I think he was comfortable out there um, eventually towards the end of the season. And so you got like seven or eight guys that have played a lot of basketball coming back. Right. And then so to talk about the additions to the team, I, I think really the first one is, is Jalen Trent. And so he they knew that they had to go out and get a point guard that was tremendous defensively. It's a big part of what they do. He's a six, four point guard, really long, really athletic conference defensive player of the year at the Juco that he came from. 
he's very, very important because last year their biggest issue was defensively, right? In their Ken Palm and all the important metrics, they were right above, you know, 340 Ken Palm. So, and it was, it was hard to kind of commentate on their games because they're not necessarily breaking down. They were in possession. They were in good position. They knew what was coming. They just had six foot guards. They had Ben Tupanoam trying to guard Baylor Shireman. That's going to end very poorly. It doesn't matter what you do X's and O's wise, right? They needed to get a physical profile more in line with what the rest of the conference have. And, and, and Jalen Trent is a big part of that, right? He's a guy that can really control the dribble. And so they're really excited about him. And then I think really it comes down to these freshmen. Elijah Brooks, Kansas Mr. Basketball. B.J. Ahmet, several high major offers. Just kind of an odd timing, sort of slipped through the cracks. He is probably as talented of a player as UND has had um, in probably the last five, ten years. He is extremely talented, B.J. Ahmet. And then Tracy Eaglestaff, who um, is 6'6", kind of played some point guard in high school, kind of, you know, sort of a do-it-all thing. But everything I'm hearing is those three guys, they're freshmen, and they're ready to play college basketball. You can't say that about every college freshman. But those three are ready to play college basketball. They're going to play a lot. I think BJ is going to start. Um, but they're all going to play. So you start to do the math, right? Eight returners, four newcomers. They're not going to play 12, right? And so last year it was like, who's available? What can you do? Okay, now go out there and do it. This year it's, hey, there's some options here. They can play some different lineups. They have some options if they get injuries. You know, they have, it's going to be more of a competitive situation for minutes. And I think that's a beautiful thing uh, for this team because no question, they like last year, it was, it was a frustrating thing to experience. I don't think Coach Taylor's really ever gone through something like that. Uh, He's won everywhere. He offensively, this team is going to be fine. I think, like, even Coach Peterson said last week with South Dakota, like, just focusing on defense, I think that's where UND is going to be too right now because if they're mediocre uh, in defense, if they're, say, fifth or sixth in the conference in terms of points per game given up, I think they're going to have a really nice season. The question is whether they can get to that point defensively, in my opinion. You know, and, and, and to your point, you addressed this a little bit earlier, you know, a guy like Jalen Trent. If you can have a defensive stopper, you know, guarding, you know, on the ball, if you don't have that, sometimes you end up playing two or three guys out of position. If you have that, you can play other guys to their strengths, especially on the defensive end of the floor. And and I think that's extremely important. Now, I will say this, junior college guys, I, I know I coached junior college at one point in time. It'll take them six, eight weeks. You hope it's a, a shorter learning curve you know, to, to grasp team defense, things along those lines. But if they're strong defensively right away, they give themselves a, a leg up. And so uh, that's what you hope, is you hope that one or two spots got a lot stronger because now that that minimizes the amount of time that you have to play a ton of other guys out of position and maybe undersized in certain roles, whatever it might be. And so I, I think sometimes one or two additions 
are really key, and, and I'm hoping UND finds those so they can be competitive night in and night out. Um, you know, when I go to Mitchell Sucker, he's going to be the first guy that ever graduates in the Summit League that's probably a member of the UND faculty because he's got three or four degrees already. Uh, that, that, that I just hope he stays healthy all season. Uh, love what that kid brings. I love his mentality. I love his IQ. But uh, I think you made some really good points, Zach, and, and I guess that's what I'm hoping is I hope they can solidify their lineup so that they don't have to play multiple guys out of position and that they're not always undermanned at three of the five spots on the floor. And I, I hope and that's, that's going to be the goal for Paul Sather. Um, and I'm in agreement with you. Paul has been successful everywhere he's been. The guy knows how to win. The guy knows the game. And I think he'll have a, I, I think he'll do as good a job as anybody can with this UND roster. I think Mitchell Sucker, if he stays healthy, can be a second team all conference type player. Love yeah. his game, inside, outside. He's finally comfortable. You know, he got adjusted and he was having a good year last year, then got hurt. Same thing with Caleb Nero. They just have to find a way to stay healthy. And obviously that's nothing that they can control, but man, they just need a break or two. They'll go make they'll go find a way to make him, I think, then. Yep. And that's what they've got to do this season. Yep. Well, and we'll wrap up our previews, but I think it's safe to say that there's a talent upgrade with what they what they brought in this year from last year. And so if the, the returning players can stay healthy, I you know, things are looking up for for North Dakota. Mm-hmm. So we'll wrap up and you know, it's so hard for us. We try to stay around an hour and it just we talk too much, but that's all right. You guys, <laughs> you guys listen as long as you can and then we'll just heck we talk for a half hour after we get get done recording. So um Next week, we will try to – so I just said how we talk too long by talking too long, and we're going to have four team previews next week. So what I one thing I do want to mention before we wrap up, on Spotify, I am able to uh, put in a spot for, for listeners to ask questions and things like that. So I will add that in there. We'll try to get that on Twitter as well. For the four teams that we still have left, we've got Oral Roberts, Kansas City, Denver – and uh, I'm not St. Thomas. St. Thomas. Thomas. Yeah. St. Thomas. Thank you. So those are the four teams left. Um, if you've got specific questions, we'll 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 get those in as best we can. We also have Coach Esposito with Kansas City next week. Um, we're we're looking at a couple of interviews with some from some former Summit League players who are playing Power Five uh, that we're trying to line up, and we'll we'll continue with coaches' interviews as well. But for for now, we'll wrap up this week. And uh, thank you, gentlemen. Always enjoy it. It's me more excited every week, guys.